Um, the King James would say, be ye transformed. Well, since we know ye is you, we'll just say, you be transformed. Title, you be transformed. You be transformed. Somebody say you be transformed. Somebody say you be transformed. <laughs> um, or you can say me be transformed. I didn't want to give it that title because that's bad English. So I said you be transformed and you know that you is you. Um, Romans chapter 12. I want to talk about transformation and some of and I like to, I like this and I like to be very clear when I say I'm going to share something and I'm going to share this revelation of how to be transformed or anything like that um I don't like making conclusive statements um it's important that whenever we share something that we share as it as we're learning not that we've come to an exhaustive view and we know it all and we figured it out especially when it comes to the bible um i've had people teach and say and i may have said it in my past in my ignorance i hope not that this is the principles and how they work um I learned something being in DEI. When I first got in the game, people started calling me a DEI expert and it always made me very uncomfortable and I pushed back against it. And I would get rebuked by um, my partner and other people because this is, you're an expert. And I'm like, I don't like that term. And then I heard somebody use another term and I liked it a lot. He said, I'm a DEI practitioner. And I said, I like that because I'm practicing, I'm learning, I'm growing. So therefore, I'm a practitioner. All of us in the word of God are practitioners. No matter how long you've been in the word of God, you're learning, you're growing, you're walking it out. How many of you would agree with me that there's a scripture that you have met, may have read 10 years ago that you thought you had the revelation of it and then God spoke it to you last month and all of a sudden it was like this whole different meaning. You're a practitioner. You're, you're learning, you're growing, you're maturing hopefully and getting better and better in your walk. And those who have been with the Lord so long that they now think that they know it all and we've met people like that in the body of Christ. Those people are usually very useless because they're stuck in a dimension. Um, there's a saying you probably heard me say before. I love the statement. I don't remember where I got it from, but it, it, um, it was some, be, some business meeting and the term was absolutes are unbecoming on the lips of a novice. You get that? Absolutes are unbecoming on the lips of a novice. If you're a beginner, it don't sound good for you to be speaking things like you absolutely know it to be the truth. 
right? You, you're, you're a novice. And as long as you're walking with God, you're a novice. You may be more grown than somebody else in the kingdom, but then there's somebody else much more, much more mature than you. We're babies, we're growing. Um, I'm proud to say I'm a practitioner of the word of God. And the things of God grow according to, as Jesus said it, according to your faith, be it unto you. What are, what are you able to receive in this season of your life? And what are you able to walk in? Because according to that faith, manifestation is wrought. So there are people that look at me and think that I've arrived. Well, <laughs> me and Lizzie had a conversation the other day because it's a gentleman. The gentleman, I think I told you, I reconnected with after nine years. God told me to call him and we've talked. And Lizzie says, he talks about his deals the way we talk about our deal with PBS. You know, and even though you'll go like, wow, PBS, you're with PBS, you got Crayola. Yeah, but these are maybe $50,000 to $100,000 deals, right? This guy was sitting with me at dinner and he was talking about how, ah, just, it was this $25 million deal and I didn't get it. Ah, I got this $15 million one, but this $25 million one that got away. And, and I'm sitting there like, you talking about, I had a 15, yeah, that's good. I wanted that 25. And I said, yeah. And just as I began, watch what I'm about to say, to look at him and like, yeah, see, I want to be where you are. It dawned on me. He's looking at somebody else that's doing hundred million and two million, hundred million dollar deals going, man, I, I just want to be where you are. So we're all practitioners. You see, we're growing. And as long as we keep that mentality, God can keep grooming us and growing us. So why, why am I telling you this? Let's come back to the, the scripture now. We are practicing the things of God, hopefully, and growing in them and realizing that there's bigger land out there for us to capture. So I want us to go to Romans chapter 12, and I'm going to just do two verses today, but I, hopefully I want to expound on them as much as I can to bring us to a different place in our walk and a stronger place in our walk. It's very important to us that we understand that growth is a process. And hopefully you never get to the place that you're not growing anymore or that you know so much. I think that's usually in the age of the early 20s. When people are in their early late teens, early 20s, where they think they know everything and they figured it all out, and now they know more than their parents and more than their grandparents. And well, that's what worked for you. That don't mean it's gonna be that way for me. And you know, this whole thing, and you know, it, it you know, it starts happening, and you can't tell people that age anything. And sometimes they even push older and older up into age, but that's usually where it begins. And unfortunately. If you look at people's lives that either grow or don't grow, their stagnation usually begins right there. And sometimes in us too, let's talk about, I'm talking about myself too, and carries way up into thirties and forties before we wake up again and realize, you know what? 
I'm not as smart as I thought I was, and I have a lot more to learn, and then God can finish with us. But it looks like this this period there almost for 20 years that we just get stuck in this, I figured it all out. I read the Bible from cover to cover. What did you think is a novel? It's a book of spiritual awakening. You have to continue reading that so you continually can be awakened continually. Amen. Amen. So we've read these scriptures before. And what I'm praying is that God gives us a spin or understanding or an enlightenment today that helps us through the next phase or this phase of our journey. Amen. I know that was a nice little intro, but it's necessary. So I'm going to read it first from the NIV. Again, we're just doing verse one, verse two of Romans chapter 12. Are we ready? Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, for this is your, this is your true and proper worship. Now, stay with me. I urge you, I love this verse. I'm going to tell you why this verse is so important. I love this verse because he said, brothers and sisters. And I like it because so many of the verses it says, my brethren, my brethren, my brethren. So when I see one that's inclusive like that, that means they're growing to a place, they're getting past the just my brothers, they're realizing the sisters before God, as the word said before that, in the kingdom, there's neither neither Jew nor Greek, male nor female. And some of them are in some of these places are getting the revelation that God don't play that. It's important. So he says this, truly I urge you, my brothers and sisters, in the view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, for this is your true and proper worship. Now, before we go into the second verse, I want to grab this one and wrestle with this one a little bit. It's very important. I urge you. Are you listening? He says, I urge you. I appeal to you. I want you to understand the context now of what's being said what's being asked and how it's being asked. You ready? You ready? He didn't say, I command you. There are scriptures that he says, I charge you. There are scriptures that say, I command you. This scripture says, I urge you, my brothers and sisters. So this is coming from a different place. He said, I urge you in the view of God's mercy, I'm charging you to present your bodies, yourself, as a living sacrifice. Is not, I've always heard it with a whip back in the day. But as I grew and I began to study, I realized there was something different. And I wasn't really always clear what the difference was. And, but I knew that this one always hit me different. There's a couple of scriptures in the Bible where he's talking and he's telling you and charging you with things. I see it a lot in the book of Romans and it's coming from this place of I'm talking to you and I'm talking to you for if, if 
Lord, how can I explain this? If you read the book of Romans, this, I'm trying to remember the other verse where he said, I think it's Romans say, he who has his hope, therefore purifies himself. And I remember when the pastor taught, taught it to me, he said, if you have this hope, you must purify yourself. And, and it was a Bible study. And I stood up in the middle of the Bible study and, you know, he didn't like it. I said, that's not a command. That's a promise. He said, if you have this hope, you purify yourself. He's not saying you better purify yourself. He's saying, if you have this hope in Christ, you purify yourself. Um, there's another, well, all through the book of Romans, Romans 8, he says, you know, who should save me from the body of death? At the end of seven, he says, it's in Christ. The hope, he's my hope. That is Romans again, he says, who can pluck me from his hands? So if you really read the book from that perspective, Romans is a book of not commands and charges, but promises and hope and encouragement. There's a lot in the book of Romans that if you read it from that finger wag law approach, you miss it. It's a is he's charging you, but he's charging you based on encouragement. You can do this. You have this. This power does live in you. By God's mercies and the hope in Christ, you can do all these things. And this is what I want to awaken you to in this part of this book of Romans, right here, where he's saying, watch this, I urge you, I encourage you, I, in, I appeal to you, in the view of God's mercy. My God, I mean, right there, that's a good place to throw the book down and run around in circles, right? He said, I'm appealing to you, not in your strength, not in your pride, not out of shame, not out of guilt. I'm encouraging you in the mercy of God. Watch this, to offer your bodies a living sacrifice. How do you offer your body a living sacrifice? In the mercy of God. You can't offer it in your own strength or out of shame and guilt. It has to be offered in God's mercy. God, hmm, I'll, go, I'll go to that later. But God, according to your loving kindness and tender mercy. This is where that word is, comes from. It's just his kindness that leads us to repentance. There's a charge that he's saying, I'm now asking you to change your life to change your heart, to change your mind in the mercy of God, in the tenderness of God. I appeal to you, you can do this, but in him. Then he says, watch this. I urge you to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, pleasing to God, for this is your true and proper worship. Watch this. Stand in the room with your hands raised, crying and tears running down your face. Oh, Jesus, I love you, God. Oh, I worship you. That's nice. He said, this is true worship, that you're seeking him to present yourself to him according to his mercy, a living sacrifice to him. That's worship. That's, okay, I'm not saying the other one isn't, but the scripture said this is true and proper worship. Mouth worship and tear worship and jump around singing worship 
and praise and worship music, blasting, running around the room, worship. Yeah, we put all that over there. He said, that's, that's cute. But this is true and proper worship, that according to his mercy and his tenderness, that you are presenting yourself to him as a sacrifice. Well, what does that mean? What does that mean? What does it mean to be a sacrifice to God? I'm gonna I'm, we're going to get into that. We're going to cover that. We're going to go back. We're going to cover that. I'm going to make sure we get both of these verses in. Then he starts to give you a step. And he says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Ah, oh, that's how you do it. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will, what his will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now, I want to read verse 2 out the Amplified because it breaks it down a little bit more, and we're going to walk through some of this. Don't be conformed to this world or this age. Fashioned after and adapted to its external, its external superficial customs. But be transformed and changed by the entire renewing of your mind by its new ideas and its new attitude so that you may prove for yourself, not everybody else, for yourself, what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God, even the thing which is good and acceptable and perfect in his sight for you, my God. This book is sending forth so much grace. Just in these two paragraphs, he's saying, and this is in Romans 2, let every man be persuaded in his own mind. You know, he talks about the Sabbath. One man calls one day a Sabbath. One man calls a day a Sabbath. One man, don't let no man convict you and beat you down about what a Sabbath is. But let every man be fully persuaded, persuaded in his own mind. For any, anything that's not of faith is sin. So he, again, all through here is saying, listen, listen, listen. You have to walk things out with God. And you have to walk before God until you have a conviction. And if you have a conviction and you go against that conviction, that's sin. Now, I'm not saying, no, I made it. I, I just believe in my heart. No, no, no. He said, according to the word, search it out. Sit before God. Pray it through and let God convict you. Let me give you an example of that. Is a crackhead saved? Well, if he still uses crack, no, he's not. Hmm. Really? But he got saved yesterday. So his salvation is less potent than yours because you've been doing it for 10 years? Your holiness is better than his because, or hers, because oh, she's a prostitute, okay? But she didn't stop doing what she's doing, okay? Okay, did you stop doing everything wrong that you were supposed to do the day you got saved? She had to walk, she has to walk that out. Keep her in the word, let God's conviction deal with her. She'll, she'll figure it out. I don't agree with that. You're supposed to get saved. You're supposed to cut all sin. Well, then you need to get saved and then have somebody kill you as soon as you get saved because you're not going to cut all sin. 
because you're going to lie and you're going to do something stupid and you're going to gossip and you're going to slander and you're going to put something in your pocket that you ain't supposed to or take something that you didn't pay for. You Come on, y'all. You, stop it. The only way you're going to get saved and get right after you get saved is they killed you as soon as you get saved. Die right away. Because you're going to work out your salvation with trembling and fear. It's a walk, babies. It's a walk. It's a walk. It's a walk. I've been walking with the Lord now for close to four decades. And I still don't have everything right. You know, I still lose my temper. Somebody cut me off the other day. Or no, no he, tried, he tried to walk in front of the car. That's what it was. And I beeped the horn at him. He stepped back and he did his fist that he's going to punch my window. And I opened the window. I said, it's the last thing you ever do. And I was like, you're not supposed to say that to people. <laughs> you're supposed to be threatening people's lives. You're a Christian. The hood came right up out of me. And I was like, wait a minute. How long have you been walking with the Lord and you opening your car wouldn't threaten to kill somebody? What's wrong with you? And as I drove up, I said, God, where did that come from? He said, what do you mean, where did it come from? It came from you. It came from you. That's where it came from. Wow. I thought I was past that. No, you didn't. You know good and well, if somebody push you to a certain point, you're going you're gonna to take the face off. You already know that. Come on. Let's, let's stop. Let's stop. It's why. Watch this. Why am I telling you that? Go back to verse one. I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, that you offer yourself. Not a dead, but a living sacrifice. Let me explain something to you about a living sacrifice. You ready? You sure? You ever seen an animal sacrificed? You ever seen a live animal slaughtered so that you, you know, in any of these little farms or whatever, so you can have it? Okay, that's a sacrifice. That animal ain't get up there willing to say, I want to be a chicken dinner. They, they took that bird and they, <laughs> and they held that bird down and they strapped him in and that cow and that whatever. And let me tell you, they ain't go peacefully into it. Oh, I'm going to be burgers. I'm going to be chiefs. No, that it was a sacrifice. It's a living sacrifice and it wasn't willing. God is calling you a living sacrifice. You know what that means? God, I'm going to have to let you tie me because if you don't, I'm not, I'm going to jump around. I'm going to run. I'm going to try to get out from under this correction. I'm going to try to get out from under this right behavior. I'm going to try to get out from under this. I can't cuss somebody out if they get, at least I didn't cuss at them. I, I took comfort in that, but I threatened the man and I said, God, I'm supposed to be better than that. And he said, by, and he led me to this, by my mercy, by my grace you are. Say, by his grace I'm better. By his mercy I'm improving. Is that blessing somebody? It's by his grace and mercy that we are getting through this walk. So, so what happens is we put this burden on ourselves to be instantly right therefore constantly feeling like a failure therefore always feeling like i'm never pleasing to god therefore never being able to get to the next level in our walk because we feel like we're stuck in the fifth grade and we can't get to the 10th 
And these people are stuck in one area of their walk, one area, and they let that one thing dictate everything God has done and is doing for them. I know I ain't talking to none of y'all. You don't have that problem, but other people do. So for those of you who do, <laughs> you know, and you get stuck and God's like, I want to do so much with you. Can you please let that little stupid thing go? Just let it go and surrender it under my mercy and grace. And let's keep walking this out. That'll come together. Now I said to God, am I ever going to get a place? I'm in my 60s now. Am I ever going to get to a place that I'm not willing to go up to somebody's head if they do something to me? God said, maybe not. But we're going to just keep walking it out. He's just going to keep walking it out according to my mercy and my grace. Because I have to do all things through Christ who strengthens me, not all things through my strength. Am I encouraging somebody today? So I saw this in a way I never saw it before. Because every time I saw this living sacrifice thing, I was like, oh, boy. Here go that living sacrifice. I don't know about that. And that's when he gave me the revelation. Sacrifices don't go willingly. You got you gotta, you, you to gotta bring them in when they're living. So what I'm doing is I'm saying to God, not my soul, my spirit, my inner man, tie me up then. If that's what you need to do for this, I'm here for it. I surrender to it because I know, watch this, Philippians 2.13, not in your own strength, but it's God who works in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. It's not in your strength that you can ever please God. There's no righteousness that can please God. Watch this now. So he said, here's how I do it. I worship him, my ultimate form of worship, my true and pure, pure worship. You're listening? You're listening? Is that I'm consistently surrendering. Are you listening? That I'm consistently putting myself up on the altar and allowing him to, to make the changes. My pure and true, my pure and true worship is me allowing myself to constantly be changed. Not me being, I don't do anything wrong. I don't cuss. I don't drink. I don't that. Yeah, let me send a few minutes with you. I'll find something. And you hang around me a little while, you find something. You follow what I'm saying? It, it, none of us got this right. But he said, my true worship, proper worship, is constantly submitting myself by his grace and his mercy to be changed. Say, Lord, grant me the heart to continually be changed. Now, do I scoff at holiness? No, I want it with all my heart. Purity? No, I want it on my heart. But it's a constant surrender for the long as I live. And I, I know some pastors older than me that would cuss a person out. And I'm like, ooh. And they, then they have to fall. They get on their face and, oh, God, forgive me for. And I'm like, wait, so God, now I'm older than a lot of us up here. I started asking God, well, God, do, you, do we ever get this right? <laughs> like, did, did we ever get to a place that we're right before you? And his response to me was, when you accepted Christ as Savior, you did. Now you walk out your salvation. You continue to walk with me and manifest as long as you live. 
this continuing sacrifice, a living sacrifice. And I'm going to add one more thing to living sacrifice before we move on. Living sacrifice has challenges. Are you listening to me? If it was a real sacrifice, once it was put down and it was dead, it's no longer an issue. Because you're a living sacrifice, you, can, you get a chance to continue in who and what you are, what you do, that have to be sacrificed again and again and again and again. I know they don't sound like fun, but thank God for the grace and mercy part because that's where that comes in so handy. But here's the helpful tip and let's bring it home. Ready? Do not be conformed to this world or this age. So here's a trick to being surrendered for sacrifice, for true and proper worship. It's very complicated very complicated to be surrounded by this world and not be influenced by it. The way we think, our thought process, everything. Somebody had this whole conversation with me about um, Trump yesterday and I'm saying the same stuff. Why are you focused on this dude? If you look at the word, it, it, it can be disappointing, but it's true. Promotion comes not from the east or the west or the middle of, or the will of man, but from God. God put him in there. I don't care who many people voted for him. Each and every one that's been in there, like him, I hate him. For that season, God, like, I'm playing the game. Do you think this is new? Do you think the pharaohs of old that went against the people of God and did the things they did, and then God brought them into Egypt, and they were all accepted, and then that king died, and a new one came, and he turned them into slaves, and all this kind of stuff. This is been, You think God's in there going, oh, shoot, I didn't think he was going to win. Wow. Did you see that coming, Jesus? No, I never saw it. Oh, wow. No. Everything for the times that the times come. He knows what he's doing. I, I spoke and I said it again. I said to you, he's going to win. And the judgment going to come on this nation. How many of you remember that when he first ran for office? Long before he got in there, said he's going to win. But judgment going to come on this nation. And boy, did it. Boy, did it. And I'm like, God, where are all the rest of the prophets? Like, nobody saw this? Like, where, where are they? Because, I mean, from, from Corona to one um, wildfire after another to the, all the clansmen coming out. In front of, I mean, it just went crazy. And I was like, but God said this. But he's not, God hasn't lost control of the equation. But he's saying, don't you be conformed. Well, if I'm chasing after him, Obama or anybody else, I'm conformed to this world. My king, my president is the Lord. I don't care who get in the office. We're, we're not in this, we're not, we're not, we're in this world, but not of this world. Our kingdom, the scripture said, we're ambassadors from on high. So I'm not going to get caught up in the, in, in the, in the function and the off and ons and the goings and ungoings of this world. That's not my home. It's not your home. 
You from Zamunda. You just here visiting. Your, your, your rewards and your gifts are back in your homeland. You are, you a king, you a queen in the kingdom visiting here. So it's a very important point that we don't get caught up in this. And I'm, I'm okay, I'm gonna say it. So I'm in DEI, which is diversity training. Well, you know what's a big part of that? The alphabet folk, right? Um, the LBGTQ and sometimes Y, right? Now, people come to me all the time and say, well, if you're in diversity, don't you represent that? And I'm like, I don't not represent, I don't, I'm not against that because you can't legislate nobody's lifestyle. That's not scriptural. But if you need somebody to speak to that, I'll hire you somebody. I can't speak to that. Why? Because that's not my world. I don't function in it. I don't live in it. I don't know it. I'm not going to sit down and read a whole bunch of books on it to try to then go do a meeting and talk about it. I, it's not my world. I'm not against you, but I'm not conforming to fit in with you. And the people that try to make me feel like I got to fit in. Yeah, I'm saying this on the air and I, it's fair. And don't try to make, make me feel shame or bad or guilty. Don't waste your time. Don't waste your time. And listen, I ain't big enough to be canceled. And when I get big enough, you want to pull this out the back to try to cancel me? Good luck with it. My point, if it works, it works. If God don't want me canceled, you ain't cancel me. My point is this. I don't go against what they do. But people come to me and say, would you do a gay wedding? Absolutely not. Well, why not? Don't you think that's homophobic? No, I'm not afraid of, I don't have no phobia of them. No, I'm not afraid. I don't do it. I don't believe it. I don't do it. It's not who I am. It's not my life. It, it, it's like when women say to me, well, what do you think about men and all men? And it's not, I'm like, I don't date men. I don't know. I don't, I don't think they all like that, but I don't date dudes. How would I know? I have to take your word for it. I know a lot of guys who are not like that. So, and those are the people that are attracted to me and come around me. You got to understand this. I'm exposed to what God has given me. And for me to conform to anything else other than what God is teaching me and walking me through, because I'm trying to please other men or get along with people and not um, inherit somebody's eye or get somebody's um anger or frustration with me. I hope you're, I'm going some places here, but I'm going to bring it home. Stay with me. Don't be transformed to this world. He's saying you are led by me and anything else in this world or any other leading apart from what I'm leading you to is being transformed. Be it LGBTG, be it uh, this life's matter, this group, that, whatever the case may be. God is saying, listen, I didn't call you to be caught up in the politics of what man is doing. I called you to follow me, to be led by me and to be taught by my word. And anything you do to conform outside of that puts you outside of what I called you to. I'm going to give you a little, an even simpler one. God didn't give us a job for us to bow to the boss and whatever the boss says. If they ask you to do something that's questionable to the God's leading for your life and what you know you're supposed to not supposed to do, you should 
be looking for another job. You should be getting about it. But I've been there long and I got to get my benefits. Oh, well, then you decided that that's where your benefits are. Psalms 103 said, trust in the Lord and forgetting all his benefits. My benefits come from the Lord. So I, I'm not holding on for no benefits package or nothing else or inheritance or anything else. If it demands me to step outside of the calling that God has put on my life or what God has called me to do. And I have to know that. And I have to know it by his word. And I have to know it by his spirit. And I have to know it for sure myself. And well, I got 10 people to tell me it was okay to do that. Okay, but what's your spirit still telling you? You ever got five people to agree with you on what you thought you wanted to do, but still on the inside, you could get no rest? The word is telling you, do not be conformed to this age. You don't change who God has called you to be so you can be fit in in light. And that's being conformed to this age. You don't change your conversation because, well, I don't want to say that word because people don't like that word if God's telling you to say that word. What word are you talking about? Sin. The word is called sin. Well, it's a lifestyle choice. Okay, whatever lifestyle choice it is, it's sin. Adultery, whatever you want to do, call it what it is. At least you can get help. I'm not saying call it what it is to shame people. I'm saying call it what it is because it's the truth. It's what you know to be the truth. How many of you know what sin is? How many of you feel intimidated to say it sometime because you're afraid of what, how people are going to react to it? You don't have to raise your hand if you don't want to, but you know what I'm talking about. If everybody gets faced with that, now whether you succumb to it or not is different, but we're all faced with that. And so my thing is, he's saying, don't be conformed to this world. Now I'm going to read it one more time and we'll bring it home, but this is important. This is how you, this is how you have a worship that's holy and acceptable to God. I know this isn't going to be a jump around and shout message today, but they don't all have to be, but you're going to learn today, all right? Do not be conformed to this age, this present time, fashioned after and adapting its external or superficial customs. Things that used to be said on TV, or you said 50 years ago on an interview, they'll pull it up now and try to end everything you about. Uh, see, but back then, you said that. Well, but you know, and I, I don't want to pick on people. I really don't. But you get all these Christian leaders now getting on TV and they apologizing. Well, you know, when I said that in the message back then, I didn't really know. And, and you, know, um, you know, I've learned since then. And if I offended any of you, I apologize. Let somebody pull something out and bring it back and say, didn't you say? I say, I, yeah, I did. Well why, well, why did you say? Because at the time, that's what I believed. And if I still believe it at that moment, I'm saying I still believe it right now. Now, there's things I said that I know was too judgy and it was coming out of some self-righteous place. I'll repent for that. But if it's still the truth according to the word, I ain't repent for nothing. Now, I'm not even going to say I'm sorry if it offends you. I'm not, I'm not sorry for squat. I said it. I said it. I was a preacher. I said a lot of things. How you deal with it, how it affects your life, <laughs> do something with that. I'm going to make this last joke and I'm going to move on. So there's a guy who does videos now and he puts a lot of, takes old songs and old TV shows and he runs them and he says, things that didn't age well. And he'll pull things from old TV shows. And he'll put it up and it's like, 
you know, anytime he plays it. So, you know, um, one of the things he put up is uh, from, um, what's that song? Um, love, the Love and Marriage, whatever that, the, that was a theme song. You, the TV show, you all know, some of you, Love and Marriage, right? And, and what's his name said all the time, fag. He said that on the show all the time. The father, he referred to gays that way all the time on the show. Nobody cared then. Now it's a big thing. They said that. Listen, let me tell you something. You're going to continue to grow. And you can look back at a lot of things you said that you shouldn't have said. But there's a lot of things that you said that you should have said. And whether you said it the, the wrong way or the right way, there's going to be people that's going to hate on you because of it. I'm saying to you, you can't spend your life apologizing for something you said 20 years ago when you get out there and you get in the public eye and people see you and they start looking for a way to pick you apart. Because once you go down that road, I know I'm off the subject of the message for a minute. I know I've gone off on another journey. But once you start that apologizing crap and they know they got you, they will have you on your hands and knees for the rest of your life begging for mercy for stuff that they, they you say anything that sounds like what they don't want you to say. You become a slave to them. I'm telling you right now, don't get caught up in that. Did you say that? I did. Were you wrong? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no. Are you going to apologize? No. No, I'm not. Not. I'm not. Unless God tells me to do so, I'm not. So I'm just letting you know right now, especially those of you who work with me, people start pulling up some old stuff on me. Did you know that your, your leader said, well, talk to him about it. That's what I'm going to tell you. Talk to him. Tell him to talk to me. I'll straighten it out. Don't conform to this world. And this world is bombarding you to do everything that would make you feel, okay, they want to call biological men women now. More so than biological women men. I just want you to make sure you understand this. They want to make biological men women more so. And Jesus, you sure you want me to go down this road? And they made women feel ashamed for not accepting these biological men as women. And so to be conformed to this world, a lot of people bit their tongues. I was looking at a list of all these great awards and rewards that have been given out lately. The highest women ranking in, 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 in Congress or in, 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 in the president's office is a biological man. The, the, the most proficient women's athlete, biological man. Woman of the year, biological man. Woman of the decade, biological man. So now you embrace this stuff and now they're taking all your awards. And so what's happening? You still say in this world is run by these men, yeah, 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 yeah. but then now you've gotten men turning into women that's taking all the stuff that you work so hard for. Oh, I know I'm gonna catch some flack on this one, but I, I'm good with it. Because we buy into it, we sign up for it, and then they yank the chain and, and lock the cage on us. Don't be conformed to this world. 
because it's never going to come back and give you what it promised. It's always going to flip the script. Always going to flip the script. You go online if you think I'm kidding. I'll come back with a list if you need me to and look up all these biological men who have granted the top awards in the, in, in the country that belong to you. You worked your whole life. Jesus, I, I want to let it go, but I can't. Serena Williams worked for decades to get to the top as an athlete. And they turn around and give it to the swimmer dude. Caitlyn Jenner was woman of the year if she was only a woman for four months. How you woman of the year? You haven't been a woman for a whole year yet. I, and I bet you even right now when I'm talking, I'm making some of you real uncomfortable, aren't I? Am I making you uncomfortable? No. Because I, I know when you start talking like this, people are like, ooh, ooh. That's the fear they put in you. So if you want to talk about homophobia, that's a homophobia. They got you so afraid that you can't say anything about it. You've been conformed step by step, piece by piece to the right here, to the customs and, and, and the fashions of this age. Fasting after and adapter to is external and superficial customs. This is what the world is telling you. It's not the easiest thing in the world now, is it? Now that I've stepped on the toes of that world that's been created that you have to accept as a Christian or you're a hater or you're evil or it's hate speech and they're going to make you feel like what you believe in God at some point is the why do you think in the book of Revelation they're able to hurt us off in the tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of millions and kill us? Why do you think they can? Because they're already starting it. Because they're going to start to teach the world that the way you think is evil and is hateful and you hate people and you, you're a, a, a destruction to the country and to the nation and to the everything else. That's how they're doing it. It's already begun. I didn't plan to go this far in, but I knew when I looked at it, I was like, ooh, this could, this could get crazy. But be transformed and changed by the entire renewal of your mind, by its new ideas and attitudes, so that you may prove for yourself what is good and acceptable in the perfect will of God, even the thing which is good and acceptable and perfect and perfect in his sight for you. Let me bring it home. It's not an apology or a disclaimer. I don't have any problem with homosexual people. I grew up with them. I have family members and relatives and everything. I have a problem with you trying to make me feel bad if I don't sign off. I don't make you feel bad for trying to sign off on what I believe. And I don't shame you and guilt you for not accepting I'm a Christian. They don't call it Christophobia when people don't like us. They embrace it, they laugh at it, they rejoice in it, and they tear you apart on social media. But they don't call that Christophobia. So it's wrong for us to be us, and it's right for them to be them, not just LBG, anything that goes against what we stand for. I've seen it on every single front. 
can't put up stuff on your job or cross on your desk or anything with a Christian saying, but somebody could have pictures of them and their half-naked wives and themselves all over their desk and nobody's offended by that and you can't say nothing. You can't dislike music that they're playing with filthy language in it, but they can disapprove of you playing your Christian lyrics on your job. So we can form because we don't want to lose our jobs. Because we don't want to be disliked. Because we don't want to be ostracized. Because we don't want them to put us out the little group. So we change. We conform to the customs and fashions of this world. At some point, you're going to have to present yourself as a living sacrifice. At some point, you're going to have to let yourself be tied to the altar and crucified, put to death. At some point, you're going to have to say yes to God, even if it makes everybody else say no to you. At some point, you're going to have to really say, I want a true and acceptable worship, no matter what it looks like in the world. If they all leave you, God bring you a whole bunch of people that you need to be with or one or two people that you need to be with. I know this didn't go the way you thought it was going. I didn't know how deep daddy was going to make me go with this. You can't keep balancing the, the line. You can't. It, at some point, I have to be who I am in Christ. And I'll end it on this note. What I'm saying is not that difficult because you all have your emotional and personal stands in the natural that you have no problem taking that stand for. It's just when it comes to God's pr principles as an issue because the world is pushing on you. Let me give you an example. How many of you gonna let somebody walk up to you and cuss you in your face and stick their finger in your face and talk to you the way they wanna talk to you? You gonna put your foot down no matter what it means, right? But they can talk about your daddy however they want, huh? They can talk about your faith however they want, huh? They, they can put down your beliefs however they want, huh? That's okay, though. All in the sake of being a good neighbor and getting along with people, right? Is that, is that where we are? Is that what we become as believers? Our stand has to be strong and steadfast. And nowhere in the Bible he tells the walk in hate and judgment of anybody. But it's Source of no grace in the Bible, he tells us to surrender what he's called us to be for their approval and love and like or whatever it is. Because it ain't really love. It's tolerance either way. You have a, a position to stand for the Christ you say you love. And I know a lot of this ain't being taught right now. Everybody trying to make us all get along with everybody. We're not called to get along with everybody. We're called to please God. And it's funny how I watch, like when I do these do a message like this, you know, a message in the, in the past couple of weeks and stuff, where it's that encouraging God, strong stuff. Everybody's pumping their hands. Everybody's excited. You'll look solemn right now. You look real solemn right now because it's cutting deep. But the truth is a lot of us are becoming Christian phonies. We're trying to please the world at the expense of 
who we are supposed to be and how we're supposed to walk in God. We're sacrificing our walk with our Savior to get along with men. And that's not who we're called to be. It's not who we're called to be. We're not called to hate them, but we don't have to stand back and be hated by them and sell our souls or our birthright for a piece of bread. Ooh, it's stiff up in here. Thank you. Thank you, Sister Angie, for the hand clap. You know, it, it's real out here. It's a persecution. The Bible promises that in the end. They will persecute the church. Read the book of Revelation. They will call you evil for Christ's sake. They will put you to death for what you believe. This is scriptural. And the works are happening. And the remnant that will be left after everybody else conforms will be small. And I'm going to be in that remnant. And you can call me what you want to call me, hater, whatever you want to call me. Well, you know, you're going to lose business. Then I'd rather lose business than lose Jesus. I'd rather lose fans than lose Jesus. I ain't going around picking fights. But if you pick one with me, it's going down. I'm not going to turn away. I'm not going to be conformed. And I'll end it on this word. It's the longest message I did in a long time. I realized in business that I was being forced to conform. And I realized I was beginning to back up. I was beginning to swallow my tongue. I was beginning to watch my words. I was beginning to tiptoe around and not, you know, not saying. I mean, before there was things I shouldn't say because they were offensive. Now, anything I say that don't agree is offensive. So now I'm not allowed to say anything about my faith or what I believe in a real sense because somebody ain't going to like it. Christian cowards. No more. No more. No more. We represent Christ. Whether it be hot or cold, but if you be lukewarm, I'll spew you out my mouth. We're here, and it's time. We are the army of God. We are what's left. Obey this word. Watch what God does for you. You will not be disappointed. In Jesus' name, amen.